Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for this fine Tuesday evening in Texas, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. So wherever you are, that's your time. Do the math. I'm not going to try to figure that out for you because that would be very difficult. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Those of you who do not know, Seat Time, the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. If you enjoy dirt bikes, if you enjoy racing, riding, or just bench racing about it, maybe sitting back around a campfire with a couple brews and your buddies, this is definitely going to be the show for you. We appreciate you tuning in. Seat Time is brought to you by the fine folks at Fly Racing, Stillwell Performance, and, of course, the guys over at Fast Company who make the fantastic Flex Bars. So if any part of your bike or outfit or accoutrements need to be held, taken care of, those are definitely one, some of the ones that you should check out. We will talk a little bit more about them during the show. Uh, so Seat Time. The website is seattime.co. That is where everything is archived, all of the shows, random news bits, all that kinds of stuff. Go there if you're looking for archives of the show, specifically video. If for some reason you would like to friend us on Facebook, you can do that too. It's facebook.com slash seattime. We are on Twitter, twitter.com slash seattime underscore co. And we're on Instagram, which is just regular old seattime, no space. Not like we like to confuse you guys and change it up too, too much. Um, of course, um, for those of you who do, last time we did rallying the what was it rallying the Baja Rally last week with Scott Bright and a couple different guys on. Uh, awesome, awesome time doing that. I wanted to say if anybody happens to know Uncle Rick or Richard Dean uh, up from Canada or uh, Mason, who was one of the mechanics. If you're listening right now or you catch this after the fact, if you know who I'm talking about in those two names at the Baja Rally, tell them I'm still looking for the video footage. They'll know what I'm talking about. And they need to reach out and get that shit to me. Thanks. Appreciate your help. Of course, um, Stephen, I like the way you giggle behind your beard like that. That's really uh, that's really nice. So let's just get right to it. Uh, let's get in there. I'm drinking some pomegranate apple cider from Leprechaun Ciders. So in case you guys are into that kind of stuff, definitely one you should check out. I'm digging the pomegranate flavor. A little bit of fun. Obviously, Baja Rally's over. I'm going to consume a couple adult beverages while I can here on the show and see if uh, we have a good time. I have been told that our voice and mouth movement are off if you want to play with the delays a little bit, Mr. Steven. Uh, we'll see how we can fix that. Oh, now people are already giving him shit. Yeah, he likes to stare at my mouth. What up? So, our first guest for the evening, Mr. Andrew DeLong, 2014 National Enduro Champion. What up, and how is your evening going, kind sir? That's good. I'm just sick. Woo! Well, we got all kinds of garbage from that. That was unfortunate. Man, it is all over the place. So, uh, apparently your signal is horrible right now. Um, is there any way you could drop the video out so we could just go straight to audio only? Maybe? Are you there, Mr. DeLong? What do you think? Are you there? Still there? Yeah! Well, I'm sorry that we don't get to stare at your pretty face, but maybe this will make it a little bit easier on everybody. So, how's your evening going? It's going good. It's going real good. Hey, you just you just showed up. That's awesome. Uh, you're, it's going good. So, you're 2014 National Enduro Champion. Um, 
you know, when we talked to you earlier in the year, we were kind of asking questions, you know, what kind of pressure have you had from Husqvarna, which you said was not very much, which is awesome to hear. Um, I doubt that there was any discussion of you winning the National Enduro title, all that kinds of stuff. So now that it's over, now that you've had time to really think about it, I mean, are you excited? Do you feel good? Like, how's that all How's that all going through your head? Uh, to be honest with you, it hasn't even really sunk in yet. You know, I haven't had to have that time to party and celebrate. You know, the next weekend after the Enduro Championship, I had the race at the GNCC, so... Uh, to be honest with you, it, it sort of sank in. It just felt like a race win, to be honest. And, uh, you know, but it hasn't really sunk in just yet. And I'm, I think, like, in the middle of the winter, I'll be like, yeah, it was actually, actually pretty good thing. I did, you know? So it was pretty awesome. And uh, I don't know when that's going to come about, but I hope it will come soon. Yeah, well, uh, one of the things that I was wondering, too, is it's like how easy is it to concentrate on being the 2014 National Enduro Champion when you go off and get engaged and then have a birthday? So, I mean, you've been pretty busy. So, congratulations on getting engaged as well and turning another year older. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was it was a good choice for me. I mean, she, uh, she's, been, she's been with me for like four and a half years now, so... I would say it was a good choice for her that she decided to say, you know, that yeah, she, yeah. I think you got lucky, my friend. Let's not uh, let's not blow too much air up your skirt. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't. I really don't know how to explain it. People ask me like, "Except congratulations." I'm just like, "Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool." I mean, but it's, I don't know. <laughs> I, I love her so, and she makes me happy. So that's good. There you go. No, and that's great, and that's what it's about. That's that's definitely a big deal. Um. So, I thought it was kind of funny because the last time we chatted with you was right after you got your first XC1 podium. You got third place at Snowshoe on your Husky. You're, and you got we, one of the things that Caleb Russell asked is like, what did you buy? Did you buy a stand-up jet ski with your podium and your, or your bonuses? You're like, yes, I did. It was awesome. So, this time you get a National Enduro title and a championship and you go off and get engaged. I mean, did you just like, you just like don't like hanging on to your extra money? Well, uh, I I try to save money as much as possible, but you know the jet ski was a that's a training device. You know you oh. need that. To show. That's a big thing. And uh, you the can you can write that off, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. The ring was just sort of a uh, I guess you could say championship present to her. I guess there you go. Thanks for putting up with me for so long. <laughs> Thanks for dealing with all my shit. (laughs) Absolutely. As it should be. As it should be. That's definitely a good way to look at it. Well, um, so I was kind of, now that the year's over, you said, you know, you're kind of still thinking back on it. It hasn't totally sunk in yet, but I just want to talk about it where you had seven podiums this year. Two of those were first places, and your worst placement was a seventh. Um, that's pretty darn awesome. I mean, it's super, super consistent, um, and that's the way you want to win. If, you, if you're not going to go out and win everything, at least being the most consistent person, I think, is a great way to go out and win a championship, the way that you did it. Um, so yeah. how, looking back on the year, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would have definitely, you know, if I would have had my bike a little bit, Sooner in time, I think I would have been able to turn that seventh into a top five. 
better. You just just have a more consistent year. Um, it seems like this year in the Enduros, I was able to string it together enough to get me some points and um, be able to keep gaining uh, points every round. And I didn't ever, you know, have any. I didn't have any DNS knock on wood, and I had a really good, uh, really good time riding the bike. And uh, yeah, just tried to stay upright and stay consistent because uh, <clears throat> once Charlie got hurt, it was pretty much any for anybody else, you know, to grab the top, the top seven guys or were so close in points. So it was like, I had to tell myself I can do it. I just got to be consistent. And when I can win, I can win. And when I can't, I can't. I just got to salvage the best that I can. Yeah. Well, uh, I know that you being consistent and not slow is much better than me being consistent and not slow. Um, so I'm glad that you were able to pull it off and come away with such a fantastic win, the championship. Um, best enduro, best national enduro of the year of all the races for you. It's really scary because it's stuck right now with this sly grin that he's got, and it's like really. Pre- uh, I had a I had a really really good time in Michigan. That was like. Are you guys having any problem? Yeah, but we're 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 making it work. It's really funny uh-huh. because it's like stopping in these interesting situations for us, and I'm like. What's he doing? And then I'm like, oh, it's stuck because like we keep getting these really fun faces, and it's like. Uh, all right, all right. Do you want me to turn my video off? Steven, it's up to you. Yeah. yeah, try it for a little bit, and we'll turn your video off just for a little bit, and see if we can get clearer audio. And if honestly, if it doesn't make it any better, then we won't worry about it. Okay. Turn it off. All right, let's see what happens. So. We were talking about your bet, the, the the national enduro that you enjoyed the most, and I believe you said Michigan. Tell us about that and why. Nope, it didn't get any better. It sure didn't. Well, Stephen plays around with that. Okay. Oh no, what's up, yeah, buddy? Gary Ellis, I wish we knew. Um. I want to talk about fly racing. So while I was at the Baja Rally, one of the things that I got to try was the 2015 patrol jacket. Now, I don't know if you've noticed a lot of guys running these jackets while they're racing in the desert, but one of the interesting things about this is it's to kind of help keep the moisture in. So in the, when you're riding in those plus 100-degree days, that hot wind will just literally um, take the sweat right off of your body, which great idea if you're, but if you're trying to stay cool for hours at a time, then that doesn't allow you to stay cool. Um, and so you kind of create this swamp cooler effect with the jacket on. And in this case, I was wearing it as a vest. Excuse me, I took the sleeves off. I had a lot of the vents open uh, in the front and in the back. And it actually worked really, really well. I was surprised how well it worked. I tried it. Uh, I wrote it like that all four days. Yeah, you there? Yeah, I'm here now. Nice. We'll see what happens, man. This is seat time, buddy. Every time we're like, dude, we are so prepared. It's like, hey. We're going to figure something out to screw this shit up. You know what I'm saying? Nope. Yeah, it's all good. Good. Well, I'm glad you could put up with uh, with our malignant tumors. <laughs> they just keep on biting. Well, uh, so tell me a little bit more about Michigan, which you said was one of your favorite national enduros from this year. 
Ah, uh, just just uh, one of the great motorcycle. Best feeling that day. So that's probably the most fun endurance so far. Yeah. Hmm. I like it. I like it. What about worst race of the year? Um. Worst race of the year. Uh. I, I don't know. I, for the GNCCs or just enduros? Uh, let's say let, let's say national enduros right now. Okay. Uh. Um. Probably one of the first two because I struggled a lot with just my bike set up and I uh, didn't feel really comfortable. I was just riding around in Mala Land, it felt like. Right. Yeah, I remember us talking about that when we chatted with you earlier in the year where you were kind of like really trying to figure out the bike setup. It was so new to you. Uh, the team was so new, didn't really know how to work with a lot of that. So, yeah, that, could, that makes a lot of sense there with those earlier ones. Um, you, you did really well at Concho two years ago, and you had a good time this past year. What did you think of that event, and would you be, I guess, upset if it wasn't on the schedule for next year? Um, I, I mean, I would be a little bit upset because uh, it's actually – it's actually one of my favorite ones uh, besides Michigan. It was it ranked up there. I I just enjoy riding there. I just my bike always seems to work really good, and I enjoy you know I enjoy going uh going fast. And that place you have to go, you can go pretty fast. So trails flow really good, and that's that's the kind of that's the kind of trails that I enjoy is when they're really fast and flowy and concho and. Well, uh, biggest change on the bike that really, man, this is starting to like totally kick me in the butt. Uh, can we call his phone through Skype? Do you know what I mean? Can we physically call his, like, call a, like, call a number? Kill that. Yeah, no, no. Like, literally, like, call a physical number with Skype. If we can do that, call his num call his phone. Oh, we might be calling his brother's phone. Live here on seat time, just trying to figure stuff out, buddy. That's the way it works. Your call has been forwarded to an. Can you get to get to an actual number pad? Yeah, we're going to figure this out and see what happens. So I was talking about the patrol jacket. Um, wicked, wicked, awesome jacket. I really, really wanted to try the Fly Racing JCR jacket, but um, they actually haven't gotten those in yet in stock, and so they were able to send me one of the new 2015 JCR jackets. Um, or I'm sorry, one of the new 2015 Fly Racing patrol jackets. Um, I really, 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 really dug that jacket. Fly Racing made a ton of changes from the 2014 model to the 2015 model. Um, and it is way better. Um, I really enjoyed the 2015 jacket here in Texas. It got a little cold. You had some vents 
uh, things like that. But they made so many more vents and it's so much more accessible. Things are a lot easier to adjust. Um, I also used one of the new, uh, th- though these they're not one of our sponsors. I'll definitely talk about uh, Baja Rally in the sense that they had a new, um, the new Useway stuff that they came out with, where they partnered with Hydropack. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. It worked really, really good. Um, so super stoked on that. And let's see if we can uh, get that in there. Maybe yeah, maybe join in the chat room or uh, jump in on the telephone. See what's gonna happen. I hear ringing. He's probably really confused. Did you text him and tell him what we were doing? No. Ah, just shooting from the hip here, man. Anybody answer? Maybe? No? Let's be like, hello, voicemail. One of the things we didn't talk about last week, uh, Paul Wibley winning the OMA, uh, which is a great great thing. Go to Gmail, and you can do the Google phone and call his number that way. And we can patch it in. Just figuring stuff out here. Technology technology uh so that's really cool i'm glad to see that happen it's really been with we've had uh, just answer it see what happens hey you there have you been getting have you been getting a bunch of weird calls like on your phone just keep going keep setting it up uh have you been getting a bunch of weird calls on your phone But that's because it doesn't have any signal or any service. Um, so with the National Enduros wrapping up, we've only got GNCC left. OMA's finished up with Paul Wibley getting that championship. It's been pretty interesting um, being able to watch a lot of the stuff that's been going on. We had uh, Red Bull Straight Rhythm this past weekend, which was really cool. I enjoyed it. I definitely agree that it was too long. I saw that kind of going around in some of the chat rooms, talking about the Paul Pemex show and everything. Uh, it was too long. Uh, four hours for that event where it was kind of like a handful of head-to-head races uh, seems like it was a tad bit dragged out. Um, I don't know if I totally agree with Chris Kiefer where he was saying the first event when you're just having the first eight brackets, the first eight brackets, um, to be just one and done. I like the idea of the two out of three uh, for everybody, but, yeah, there's got to be a way to, like, kind of get it to go just a tad bit faster. I don't really know the right way to do that. So, but... That's why I'm not the one doing all the, all the, all the stuff. What you got going on there, buddy? Oh yeah. On that piece of shit machine. Whatever. It's worth it because what I'll do is I can – well, we'll talk about that after the fact. We don't need to tell you, but we don't need to air our dirty laundry all over the place. Um, so I enjoyed watching the uh, the straight rhythm, though. I did choose that over the LSU-Auburn game, which was this past weekend. Good, bad, or indifferent. That's kind of the way that I went with it. So, yeah, that's what happened. Um, and then let's see. we got Monster Energy Cup coming up. That's going to be cool to watch, not this weekend, but next weekend. I'm looking forward to that. It sucks that Ken Roxon is not going to be racing. I really, really, really wanted to see how he would do, but I guess I understand because he probably wants a lot more time on that Suzuki, having had so much work on this on the KTMs. He probably really wants to, to dial in that Suzuki a lot better. So is somebody there now, Mr. DeLong? 
I don't know if it's us. I don't know if it's you. I don't know what it is. And I'm sorry, but thank you for sticking it out with us. And everybody else would really appreciate it. So biggest change to the bike that you made all year that you think elevated you to being a champion on the Husqvarna? Uh, two clicks on my suspension. Two clicks. What are you, Nick Way now? Yeah, just two clicks. Turn it around. Nice. It's the best. That's that's. I wish it would work for me like that. <laughs> no. no there is there is a lot like a lot of stuff that uh, got turned around, like different throttle cams, stuff like that. But uh, just trying different things. But mostly the suspension. Once I got comfortable with that, I was uh, I was good to go. Cool. When you say uh, throttle cam, you're actually referring to the cam at the handlebars, correct? So what the actual you know yeah. where the throttle cables attached to. Yep. Um. W- which one of those did you choose for the uh, the FC three hundred and fifty? I actually chose the uh, fifty, which is like really aggressive, um, and I seem to really enjoy that more than any other one. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, with all the changes that you guys made uh, for your Husqvarna, were a lot of those changes. Series specific, like were those changes for a lot of the national enduro stuff, or would that those changes work, you know, on, on all of your bikes like GNCC and uh, national enduro? Um, I ran the same setup everywhere. Um, okay, I don't really change much. I like once I'm comfortable with something, I don't like to change it. I like to just ride it and because I know what it's going to do, and yep. that way I don't have to. I have to change stuff. Like in the Enduros, I'd start with the setting that I wanted, which is the same setting I ride all the time, and then I make adjustments throughout the day. But if it was good, I'd just let it alone and ride it. There you go. Run what you brung, huh? As they would say. That's right. That's right. Man. Yeah, so uh, the stock on the KTM, they're saying, is about 37-ish on the throttle cam there in the chat room. So, that, yeah, they were mentioning that that's a pretty big difference going from that 50 to the 37. Um, 2015, have you had a chance to ride the Huskies yet? Any big changes? I don't really think there have been, but anything that's going to change for you on bike setup that you guys are going to want to test on? Um, I don't, I'm not for sure yet. I mean, they haven't, uh, they haven't really let me know. I mean, we haven't had any, I haven't gotten a new bike yet or there hasn't been any talks about it. So probably they're pretty much the same, just maybe. Maybe we'll be running an FC350, which is the moto right from the stock, and not running the 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 FC, you know. Right. That's the only change. And are you running that 350 in the GNCCs as well, or are you on a 450? I run the 350 both. Okay, interesting. Do you now? Obviously, we saw Caleb Russell do extremely well on his 350 this year. Um, when you made the decision, uh, you seem to be a bigger guy. Um, did, did you, were you kind of worried about the 350 in the, in a quote unquote lack of power or any of that sense? Or did you just knew that, you know, if you ride it all year, you'll know how to ride it and how to have it make power? Um, I mean, I, if I rode it all year, I'd know how to ride it. And I, I like to sort of manhandle my bikes. Like I'm a bigger guy, so I like to throw them around and sort of run through things and yep. not really, you know, that's just how I ride. And I don't, ha- I don't have really a technique or a, I don't. I want to say tech, um, like a 
Um, what's the word I'm looking like finesse? Right. So I don't have really a lot of finesse. I just manhandle my way through a lot of things, and with a small bike, I seem to be able to do a lot better because I can push it. And um, the 450. Dig it, dig it, man. So, as we start to wrap it up a little bit here, just you know, as uh, we, we we're taking up some of your precious time, and of course, uh, as the internet does to anybody when it starts to screw up, it starts to age you quickly. Um, have yeah, you? That's all- have you seen or heard anything about the 2016 Huskies? What could be a 2016 Husky? Um, not yet. Um, I, I don't. I really don't. I really don't know. I, I don't know if they'll show me. I'm only signed for next year too, so maybe maybe they'll be kicking me off. I don't know. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully I you know get to continue my career here with Husky and. Uh, you know, get to ride them for my whole career. That'd be an awesome thing, but we never know what the world, you know, what the world throws at you. Yeah, no, it, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Uh, so, what do you think about having Zach Osborne as kind of a kind of a teammate? You know, he's on the Rockstar Husky team. You're on Husky, but I mean, they're factory supported. You're obviously on the factory off road team. Um, you guys will be on the same bikes there at ISTE. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome, man. He's a really good guy, and he's multi-talented. He can ride moto, supercross, and do wood racing. And so, um, I'm I'm stoked to you know, I guess you could say be on the same team team as him. I mean, I don't think we're really, you know, he does opposite stuff than what I do, but um, for sure, I mean it's awesome to have him on the brand, and we're just gonna make the Husky name stronger uh, every every year, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one thing I wanted to talk about was that I was on with the FE 350, um, at Concho this year, and I was having a lot of issues with the front fork. And I think we talked about it on the last show that we had with you, but just in case, what, what kind of, did you have any issues with your suspension on the, on, on your bike when you were, when you originally got on it, when maybe, when it was maybe close to stock? that you guys really had to fine-tune or do a lot of work with on the suspension? I mean, I I think on the spikes, they came with 4CSs, and um, right from the start, I never even rode with the 4CSs. We went straight to the factory forks. So okay. I, I did have some... It, I did ride one with some 4CSs, and they were a little soft for me when I was out there at the demo, but, I mean, other than that, it, I didn't really put any time on the four CSs, so um, I can't really answer that question too much. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a. I definitely was like, holy shit, these things are soft as crap, and they dive, which is absolutely insane. Because anything KTM and four CS, all you hear from people is how stiff and how you know how stiff they are, um, and how brutal. Which was just the opposite on the Huskies. So whoever was doing the valving, either screwed up all the Huskies, or for whatever reason, whoever was setting up the ones for the Huskies decided on something completely different um, for the boutique brand, if you will. Um, so everything prepped for ISDE? You got shit shipped? You're ready to go? Yeah, just uh, got, I just received some goggles here tonight. And, um, got all my gear last week and just sort of got to start packing up, I guess. Uh, I'm just... 
I'm delaying it, I guess you could say, because I'm working on my house right now. I just bought a house and stuff, so um, I'm working on that, trying to get it all situated so I can start moving in there. And you know, um, but other than that, I'm pretty much good to go. Got some boots. Got, didn't get my helmet yet, but I'm pretty sure that's coming. And those jerks. But, yeah, but uh, no, everything else is here. Just, just wait, just waiting little things and. We'll be good to go. Hey, just waiting for early November. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Man. Uh, shoot. I thought of one other. Oh, so. Okay. So you were on the XC1 podium. You got a stand-up jet ski. National Enduro Championship. Got engaged. Had a birthday. Bought a house. You're going to go to the ISDE. Uh, I, have, I have two two points of... Uh, concession is one you totally could have proposed on seat time we still haven't had anybody propose on seat time um which one day i'm hoping and two um there's not like any little andrews on the way are there no 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 there won't be any for hopefully a little while i mean i mean I'm okay with it either way. I guess I'm just going to say that I have learned quickly, and as everybody tells you, is that little children do get in the way of, of riding your motorcycle. So Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I got a while until I get married, too, so she's got she's actually got to finish school and everything, and, and that'll be like another two years. So Nice. Uh, grad school and everything. And, I'm just going to uh, throw this out here. You guys know I'm a good public speaker. I handle crowds pretty well, and I'm also ordained. So <laughs> if you're looking for you know, somebody that's down to... I, I dress up well. People think I don't, but I will. If that's part of the job, I'll do it for you guys. I'm just saying, low, low fees. Maybe I have to keep you in mind. Maybe if I just fly up here and give you a beer, you'd be, you can just do it for free. You just fly me up there. I'll buy my own damn beer. I'm, I'm just telling okay. you, you'll have okay. a lot more fun with me in charge. I'm just saying. And if any of the moms or any of the girlfriends or, I guess at this point, fiancés seem to have any issues with it, I also do cons- consultations beforehand. Like, I'm not just a run-in kind of guy. You know, I don't just need to come in there and make it happen and take off. Like, I can I can, mm, I can massage them up to the possibility of this being this coming to fruition so know that i'm open to that i don't know i'd have to talk to this. we could even live stream your wedding oh that that'd be pretty that'd be pretty cool hey we know people that <laughs> sit behind the same computers that we sit behind now <laughs> so just you know just things them all around your mind i would love the chance to uh to, to marry off some fine people, and then, of course, we could uh, live stream it as well. So just think about it. Just think about it. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll run a buyer and see what she said. I dig it. And if she slaps you, I apologize. Now. <laughs> he won't slap <laughs> Dig it. Well, Andrew DeLong, thank you very much for coming on. I apologize for all the issues. Uh, whatever it is, it got a little bit better, and we are very, very thankful for that. You're such a great... Not just a great uh, person for our sport, but is also just a good fan of of uh, having a good time, and that's that's why we love having you on. So thank you very much, man. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and you know, hopefully, I get to come back on again soon. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy coming on the show and having a good time. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much, and uh, have fun. I guess you got one more GNCC than the ISDE, and then it's prepping for a whole another year, right? Yep. Oh snap. Yep. 
Dig it, man. Well, hell yeah. Have fun out there. We'll chat soon. All right. Thanks, Brian. We'll see you. Later. Whoop, whoop. All right. So, yeah, I'm telling you, man, one day somebody's going to have to propose on the show. Uh, Pat Smodgy, uh said that uh, he almost oh, – no, it's not Pat Smodgy, It's his brother. Shoot. Uh, said that he almost did it uh, with Sarah, but he didn't have his guitar song ready yet. So that would have been sweet if that would have happened. But – I think if somebody did do it, though, they would definitely have to be with somebody that kind of knows that they're jokingly proposing or, like, they've already proposed and haven't really told anybody, so they're going to come on seat time and do, like, or, like, do it on seat time, but then, like, have, like, a whole nother real official proposal prepared because I understand that seat time wouldn't be, like, you know, the most romantic way, which is fine. It's not a romantic show, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll see how it goes. Hello! What's going on? What's up, Mr. Caleb Russell? What are the? I just I hate the fact that you shaved your head and you didn't even videotape it or put it out there for anybody or take pictures of a mullet or nothing. Yeah, it was uh, it was more of um, you know, a spur of the moment deal. Yeah. Got done eating dinner. It was like ten thirty, and uh, my wife's brother's my wife's brother's wife is um a hairdresser i was like let's let's cut this shit let's get it gone let's make it happen yep so that was that i was very disappointed because we did have a big conversation about that mullet coming back um and it would have been wicked it would have been wicked all right so um i know that you just got done taking some family pictures probably not in the best moods to sit around and just chat for a little bit so let's just see if we can get in here hit some of the good stuff we'll let you go to sleep um, and, and dream about all the epic pictures that will be hanging on your walls in the near future. So you're now two-time XC1 GNCC champion. I mean, not even XC1, GNCC overall champion um, two years in a row. That You're, what, the third person to be able to do that? Um, I think there's more than three. Go back-to-back? Back. Yeah, back-to-back. Back. There's more than three people that have done that. Well, it's what, Yuha last- Solomon, David Knight, and then you, so it would have had to have been before that, right? There might have been a couple for sure, but it's been a while before, like before yeah, that. I mean, Rodney Smith won three in a row. Yeah, that's uh, true. Scott Summers, Scott Summers won a bunch. Eddie Lojax won a bunch. Um, Scott Plessinger. Uh, I think that's about it. But so you made it sound way more impressive. I like your theory. Yeah, I mean, we'll maybe go with uh, in the two thousands. You're one yeah. of you're one of three people to win back to back. How about that? That one does four in the two thousands. <sighs> okay, Rodney, Man. Rodney Smith did it in the two thousands. Well, the, we also know that I have no memory. One and two, I suck at math, so it's not really any surprise that I'm going to screw something else up again. But the thing is, is you're here with all kinds of knowledge. You're much more intelligent than I am, and you haven't been drinking, so you can bring in the heat. Um, I I don't I don't know I don't know what to tell you, Stephen. I just want to. I just want to throw something. I really, really do. You there? Yeah, I'm here. What happened? I don't know. Apparently computers hate us right now. So I just wanted to say that I doubted you at the beginning of the year. Um, I never doubted your ability to race and ride. Um, I just did not realize at that time the fire that you had that I then saw about three to four races in. That, that's when I was like, I was wrong. He's going to do it. Like, you could just see it. 
um, that unless catastrophe happened, that the you had the fire inside to push and race your ass off to get the back-to-back championship. So congratulations. It's just fantastic that you done did it. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that that's my biggest, my, my biggest thing is like feeding off of people's doubt. Like, I love it. Like, right. I, I mean, it gets me fired up and, you know, I, I, I don't know. You, you tell me, you tell me I can do it and all this. And like, I, I don't, I don't come in with the same intentions or same motiva- motivation, but if you, if you tell me I can't do something, it just downright pisses me off and like, all I want to do is prove people wrong, but um, you know, I, I don't know. Just uh, when that helmet goes on, it's uh, you know, I turn a light switch and I just turn into a a freaking madman, man. Right. I don't know. I just, um, I mean, some people haven't, some people don't, but you know, I just uh, really want to get the job done. And in GNCC racing, I really, really I, I I know how to do it, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah. It's awesome, and it was great to, it was great to watch it. Uh, it. It's really fun to be able to watch the Racer TV coverage. Um, I enjoy that. Some of the times I can't watch, watch, but I get to listen to it. Same kind of with seat time. Sometimes people don't get to watch, but they get to listen to the audio, and that's that's a lot of the times when I'm in the garage how it works out. But it's uh, great to be able to catch that you know, as it's happening and see what's going on. Wrapping it up early and deciding to ride the 150, uh, there's there's tons of stuff about the 150, how we can get raffle tickets and stuff for it, and I definitely want to talk about that, but I want to know, where did that kind of come about? Like, where did this, I'm going to ride a 150, let's raffle off tickets, and, you know, part of that's for Rory Mead, and part of that's for your ISDE, and stuff like that. Um, You know, I've always thought it would be cool to be able to, um, to wrap up the championship and do something different um, for a long time. Like, you know, obviously it, wouldn't, it couldn't happen last year. But it's just a really cool thing to be able to do is wrap up the championship early and then, you know, ride a different bike or try something different. And um, it's, uh, you know, obviously I had the championship pretty much under control and got everything together for the bike and what I'd need. And, um, you know, I figured at first, um, at first I didn't think about the raffle idea or whatever, but... um, but then I, you know, it hit me. Hey, let's just buy this bike and see if, um, you know, KTM will let me buy the bike and give give it away with everything on it, and you know, help help Rory out and raise some money. So, um, you know, it's been a, it's been awesome. We've raised quite a bit of money, and you know, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the the face on the winner or the the look on the winner's face when when they win it. So, it should oh, be good. I bought four raffle tickets, and I wish I could have bought more. Um, it's just kind of like you know, you you're like okay. I want this bike X bad, but I can't afford how much I really want this bike, so I'm just going to put tooth towards it and see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, it would be pretty damn epic to win that thing. Um, we saw the video from Motorsport and a couple other people that were uh, posting around um, of you kind of practicing on the 150. Was that really one of the first times that you had been on it just a couple days before um, going to Powerline Park? Yeah, my first day on it was uh, Wednesday. <laughs> that was the first time i wrote it i wrote it wednesday and thursday and i put an hour and 10 minutes on it. <laughs> how much how much tweaking or how much yeah how much tweaking did it take to say okay i'm good with that like um you know what is what's um really what's really funny about the the thing um 
I didn't do I didn't do anything to the bike to change it from the way they gave it to me. I changed a few clickers here and there on the shock and um, the rebound on the forks. But basically, what we did was we took uh, our suspension guy. He took Casey Martinez's forks and put a stiffer spring in them, and he took my shock and put a softer spring on it. And you know, I was pretty happy with it right away. I was like, man, I I thought it was going to be absolutely dog shit at first. Um, and I, that's, that was one of the biggest things I was kind of worried about, but it was actually pretty good. Um, after riding it at the race, I know, I, I know what we can do to make some improvements, but, um, I just, like in that hour and 10 minutes I rode, I, I, I changed a few things and I was happy with it. So nice. That's, it blows my mind. I remember, um, uh, Taylor Robert last year after the TKO took his 250 suspension and put it on his 450 because it liked it so much, it, you know, thinking that that might work. Now, obviously, it didn't. It was horrible. But it's interesting to know that they could take, like, your shock with all the dampening, the oil, and every, the way it's set up, the, the, the valving, just put a softer spring on it and vice versa with the Martinez's forks. And it would actually work so well on such a lighter, a lighter feeling bike. I mean, obviously, dry weight, it's lighter. But it's also so much lighter in the sense of it's a back and forth play. Like that's that's pretty impressive that those guys are that good. Yeah, um, rookie, rookie, he was kind of skeptical at first too, like like I was. But I mean, he didn't really have any time to uh, get a you know build me a set for that right a bike and do any testing or anything. So you know, he just wanted to stick to some settings that I was kind of used to and kind of knew what they'd do and that's what we did and actually like i said it worked pretty good like i was pretty pretty happy with it um the shock was the biggest thing i feel like the it was just a little soft we went a little too soft on the spring and i had uh i ran quite a bit of sag at the at the race because of how slick the track was so um you know i was i didn't have it felt like it was a little um slow and um soft but it was uh it was rideable for sure oh <laughs> yeah it was it was plenty rideable man watching uh watching you ride that thing and then hearing everybody chatter about it was was damn impressive so congrats on the podium i know that that's not what you were looking for obviously as you say when you put that helmet on you kind of become a different person you you want that win and i know you wanted that win on the 150 i mean we talked about that um it's interesting, and I've told you this too. Like, it's interesting how the standards you hold yourself up to. Like, I think you on a 150 getting on the podium is damn impressive, but you know, you kind of hold your head low a little in the fact that you weren't able to win that. Um, what, if anything, really could have been different, done different for you to feel like you would have been able to come away with the win against Josh Strang this past weekend? Um, uh, ride my 350. Ha ha. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, Josh rode really well. I and I rode an excellent race. I mean, I rode that bike is to my full potential, and you know, he rode better than me. Um, you know, of course, I gave up a lot of power, and um, you know, probably uh, a lot of stuff here and there. But you know, I rode really good. Yes, you um, did. <laughs> I, I mean, I was I was pretty pretty pumped um, with the performance I put forth. You know, it wasn't a lack of effort and it wasn't like mistakes led to me getting second. Josh just rode out rode me that day. And, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really make that thing go any faster and I was losing a lot of time in places where I wouldn't normally. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm kind of bummed I didn't win, but I, I can't, don't look back and say, you know, if I would have done this or this, I would have won. Um, 
you know, I did everything I could. Yeah. Um, so how do you, how does your pitch strategy change on that? We had a question coming from the chat room. Uh, did your pitch strategy have to change any because of the fact, you know, being on a 150, two stroke, bigger, smaller gas tank, kind of how did that, how did you guys strategize on that? <laughs> I, I like how everybody uses the word pitch strategy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, as if there is one. Yeah. I mean, there's literally no pitch strategy. You got to stop and get gas. I mean, it's as simple as that. Right. <laughs> um, we didn't know the fuel economy on it, so we stopped at the end of the second lap, and I, that was our plan was to stop at the second lap. And, um, you know, they measure out all the fuel so they know how much they're putting in and know how much was in the tank and all that. And I got the pit board that said I would, didn't have to pit anymore, and um, I ended up having to stop on the last lap. Um, but they didn't. I didn't even realize that until I was on pit row and they were holding the, the jug up motion of me in, so – um there wasn't there wasn't any pit strategy i mean you know they uh i guess i was really close to running out of gas as it was like they said i probably could have went like another minute before i ran out whoa got lucky yeah i, I did get lucky well uh, so do, then for iron man then now that you you said that's interesting that they, the way that they measure the gas and try to figure all that out i would imagine then they've got it a little bit more scientifically put down so then you probably have much less of a chance of Running out of gas, opposed to flying by the uh, seat of your pants, or you never know. <laughs> um, actually, I, I think more or less they're now more confused than they were because, like I said, they they after we gas the first time is I got really good gas mileage the first two laps, and the last that's why they they told me they gave me the pit board said I didn't have to fuel again, but they they were eyeing the the tank as I'd come through the finish line area. They were eyeballing the tank to see how much I had in there, and I didn't have any gas in there. So um, I used a lot more gas at the end of the race. So yeah. I, probably because I was riding harder, but, I mean, it really sucked it down a lot more than they had thought. So Interesting. Now they're kind of just more or less like back to square one, you know. <laughs> Every two laps, we're putting gas in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you got yeah. Iron Man coming up. You've ridden the 150 a little bit more. You've gotten some time on it. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, you look. Do you? I guess let me rephrase this. Did you just? Was there a time where you just had fun riding that 150 out there? I mean, that's what I think of when I think about riding 125s again. It's just kind of that. It's just so much more fun. I mean, was it fun, or did you feel like you were like, ah, oh, I want my 350. I'm working too hard. Um. No. When I was when on the first lap, I was like trying to get away from those guys and it's really tough because if you get a good start and you can gap them a little bit right away it's not so stressful and you can enjoy it but um when you got all those guys around you on the 450s and you get in the fields you're, you're, it's really like beating yourself with a stick you're like damn it right yeah <laughs> blitzing right by you but um but no once i kind of gapped them a little bit i was like man I, I might really be able to pull this off and, <laughs> you know, i was riding really good and i was i was having fun like it was it was a, it was a ball and um you know i seen josh catching me and i i put down a couple i put down a really solid lap on the second to last lap and i was like if he catches me you know i'm not going to be able to win and uh that the second to last lap i should say um i i rode really hard and I dropped my time by probably like 30 seconds or so. And, you know, Josh still caught up to me like by like 10 or 15 seconds. And I, I knew right then I wasn't going to win. And, um, you know, I, I did everything I could to try to keep them behind me. And then I realized I had to gas again. So, but, um, 
you know, like I said, it was a, it was a pretty fun day. I I enjoyed it. The last lap wasn't too much fun. Um, I, I put a, put out a lot of effort to uh, to go that fast, a lot more than on the 350. I I know for sure. Nice. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So going into Ironman, I mean, you're you looking forward to that, still being able to go out there and think about it in the sense of like what you're doing, like being able to ride this 150, have fun with it, try to sell some more raffle tickets and really be able to create more of a fund for Rory and then as well for yourself and the ISDE? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Ironman will be really good on that thing. Um it's gonna it's gonna have a little bit more determining factors of how I how I do. I'm I'm gonna have to really be on it like I was at Powerline on the bike. But um, I think I think the track will. If I I'm pretty sure it's gonna be wet up there this year because my dad was telling me they just got like five and a half inches of rain the Friday when I got to the track at um, St. Clairsville. So. Um, and I, that's probably not going to dry out this time of year up there unless it's just really windy and cold, but right. so it's probably going to be super wet and ruddy and I killed it everywhere where it was really, where it was kind of ruddy on that bike. So I'm actually pretty anxious and the only, the only like determining factors, there's a bunch of big hill climbs, like right out of Creek beds and stuff. That's, um, you know, I might give up some stuff there. Like I might have to go around, around a few hill climbs or something, but if I can, I'm just gonna pin it and go like hell. That's the Caleb Russell that we know and love. Yep. <laughs> so, ISDE this year. Um, are you gonna be on the 350? Yep. Okay. Yep. And is that for the E2 or E3 class? That's the E2, correct? Yeah, E2. E2. What are you thinking about the terrain and kind of, you know, uh, some of the practice sessions that the guys have had and stuff like that? Um, you know, it's gonna suck. Uh, the terrain wise. But uh, I'm looking forward to the race. I really, really enjoyed it last year, and I'm I'm looking to uh, do a lot better than I did. Obviously, the two minute penalty I got last year didn't help me position wise on the track. Right. And I felt like I rode good in some days, and then the days where I wasn't feeling it and just couldn't get it together, like I was, you know, lost, kind of lost the motivation. So I'm gonna try to just keep it a lot more solid and try to keep things a little bit simpler this year and we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I want to do good. So, um, you know, if I can get my act together and get focused, I think I, I, I should be fine. Yeah, it's it's been great talking with Taylor Robert um, on the show and behind the scenes about this. I was like, how how motivated are you? He's like, oh, I'm I'm winning. And I was like, oh, well, I was like, are you E2 or E3? He goes, E3. I was like, oh, man, so you you're, you just know you're getting the overall E3? He goes, oh, no, dude, I'm overall on the whole thing. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, to me, that's I mean that takes, but it's like talking to you sometimes. You know, you you know the ability that you can ride at, and if you know that you can go out there and give the hundred and ten percent that you can give, that it's a hundred, it's just as possible for you to win that overall. And it, it's it's really cool to see that confidence, not just in his swagger, if you will, but like just I mean he shows it, he emits it, and it would be really cool to see you guys, um, you know, coming away putting forth. You know that hundred and ten percent effort. I, I think this could be definitely the year for you guys to win it. It seems like it really, really could be. Uh, that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, that's my goal too is to overall the damn thing. So, um, I hope, hopefully, you know, we got me, Charlie, and him going for the overall because uh, if, if we got that happening, you know, there's no reason we shouldn't be in the run for the the win, uh, the team win. So that'd be awesome and. 
you know, it's going to be tough. And Taylor's really good in that, that terrain. It's just like his house and, well, not exactly like it, but kind of the same situation and stuff. So, and he's got the experience and he's really fast and, and super smooth. And he rides at 500 really well. So he's really got the technique and everything down to really succeed in that event. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in contention for the overall. I, I hope he is, like I said, because it's going to help out the team tremendously. But, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm at that level yet. And, um, you know, hopefully by next year when uh, we – hopefully Slovakia right. has, uh, you know, some more like East Coast terrain and like rut, ruts up and not just dry desert bullshit. So <laughs> I like the fact that you're honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Slovakia, Slovakia next year. Have you heard much about that? I mean, is that kind of what you're expecting? Is is it's a little bit more of a what we're used to here, or what you guys are used to on the East Coast? Um, that's um, that's what I hear. And like Auntie Callanan, our team manager, you know, he's from Finland, and he's uh, you know familiar with the world world GPs. He wrenched for Yuha uh, over there some, and you know he he kind of knows what the what the venues are like. Some of them, so. Um, he said it's more like the East Coast, so um, you know I'm I'm looking forward to this year, but probably more so next year. That way, I got you know two years under my belt, and you know really be able to uh, kind of get things dialed in because you know all the Euro guys, that's all they do all year long, and that's like them trying to come over here and beat me in a GNCC. I mean, just ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Yep. No, totally agree. Well, um, just just to touch on it a little bit, you and I talked about it a little over text and such. But it's so you you did some races that were on the East Coast this year that we haven't seen you at before. A little bit more of what they're calling hard enduro in the states, or some of the extreme enduro type stuff. So the TKO, yep. the enduro cross, and national enduro. Um, you know, first time kind of for you getting into that realm. Um, what what were your, just your kind of overall thoughts on the experience and kind of being able to get into those of uh, get a chance at competing at those events um you know i really i did the tko first and i really enjoyed it and i should have been you know i should have been top five because i i got third in the the first race out there and then i you know i had some mechanical problems and i couldn't finish the last race and um that was a bummer and especially because it's my first one and i was doing so well right but um then uh, the second one I did was the TKO or whatever, and yeah, I rode really good. Class, in that. Yeah. And I rode really good the first couple, the first race in that I rode really well. And then the second race it started raining, and you know it just kind of led. I I got up to when it started raining, I got up like third or fourth overall by the by one point um, when it started raining really bad. And um, I ghost ride ghost ride my bike up a hill, and it got wedged in between a tree and. It took four people to get the damn thing like unstuck, and uh, after that, I was just kind of over it because I was so far back battling with those guys, and it was so hard to get through it with everybody through some of the stuff you that shouldn't have been so hard to ride through. And by the final, I was just kind of over it and ready to ready to leave. And um, you know, I rode like complete dog shit in the final at the TK. The only race that mattered, I rode awful in, but right. Um, then the enduro cross, I was just not, not ready for that track. And it's, uh, it, it kind of, it kind of sucks. Cause like at riding at the house and stuff with Taylor, like I was pretty close to, you know, I, 
no, I shouldn't say pretty close to him, but I wasn't like completely far off his pace, but it was my track and I've ridden it quite a bit, but you know, I just, I felt like I was just in over my head once I got there after practice, like I couldn't get through the matrix and like I get so pumped up and frustrated in the matrix and before I knew it, like I was stuck in the matrix again and it was just a, a piss poor performance there too so but it was a it was a tough track and th- those matrix logs were huge and so slick and yeah once know, that like, water started to come through oh those matrix logs slicked up quick yeah they were they were god awful i mean <laughs> yeah. it was unreal like how slick they were like i i don't know how taddy and well taddy cody and taylor and those guys they're they're really good but i mean they even dicked it up in the main a bunch but it was just, it was unreal hard. Like those guys were going through it like so consistently, and you know, you know, they're they're just they're specialized in it, and like I'm specialized in the GNCCs, and yep. the series are getting more and more specialized like that. It's really hard to just step into something and do good, and you know, the fans and media that like they don't even rec- understand that, and it's uh, it's everything in off road is completely different. It, and it's and it's kind of hard to, to recognize that because you know the guys that are motocross and supercross they're so good and equally good at both and that and you know off road has so many different variables in it it's not even funny. Yeah, and, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you right after that, and and I understand why you declined. That's totally fine. Um, yeah. But it's I wanted to make sure that we did talk about that. That you had a chance to really uh, comment on the fact, because I try to tell people that all the time, that you know, endurocross has gotten so specialized, um, and these hard enduros and these extreme enduros, like people really do practice this stuff specifically, and when you start practicing and specializing in that, it really does start to create a gap over the people that are just great riders, maybe not great specific specialized at a certain event type of riders. So by no means that I ever think you had a poor performance, but it, it does kind of suck sometimes to know that there are other people out there, even within the industry that might have slander to say, or something towards, you know, what would be a poor performance on someone like a Caleb Russell, who's never done that shit before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so. And that I, I was more, more or less like nobody said anything to me or, Along those lines, I was just really kind of frustrated with myself and just wanted to forget about it and move on. But, um, yeah. you know, I had shit to, I had to put that shit away as soon as I could. You know, I had a championship to win in the GNCC and, you know, I couldn't let, couldn't be dwelling on, you know, other stuff. But, um, I mean, know, uh, so National Enduro though, let's put it behind us. National Enduro, uh, did you have fun? Fuck. I, uh, uh, no, I was really pissed off about that one. Oh man, I keep bringing up all the bad stuff. I uh, I see. I completely forgot all about the national enduro that I did. No, no. I would I wouldn't let you. I like I said, we're not gonna we're not gonna dig in, but we at least got to touch on it. Yeah, yeah. No, I really should have won that one. I'll be straight up. Like, you know, Grant. Not not take anything away from Grant. Grant rode really good that day, but I absolutely killed that last test. And Strang won the last test, and Strang only got beat by, like, what, seven seconds at the end of the day or something? Yeah, it was super close, yes. Yeah, and I was only, like, I was really, I was super, I was pretty close to Strang going into the last test, and I felt like I absolutely killed it. And um, if I I wouldn't have won, it would have been really close. And um, I, like, seriously, like a half mile from the finish line, this is the reason I never run Bark Busters either, in like a GNCC or anything. 
I had bark busters on that day. And uh, we came from a faster section straight into some tight woods, and it got real narrow really quick. And I clipped one, I clipped a tree with uh, my right hand or my right bark buster, and it just deflected me straight into the woods. Yep. I got tangled up in so much shit. It wasn't funny. Like, I, I basically, like, ghost rode my bike into the thickest set of pine trees you could imagine. And it was just, I was frustrated and pissed off and cussing, trying to get my bike out of there. But I was, I loaded, I rode straight up in the back of the truck and took off and went home. I hardly said anything to anybody. I was really disappointed. Yeah, it sounds like you had a Brian Pierce moment. Yeah. Man, I, I I don't know what the hell is, man. There's always those times where I'm like feeling so. I mean, by no means do I winning. Let's let's rephrase that. Uh, Brian Pierce moment in the fact that something stupid, random happens where you find yourself either like upside down in a tree or stuck in a thing of th- thorns, and you're like, what? How does your bike even find its way into this situation? Or like in a creek? Like that's me. Like I don't know what I have. Just have bad luck, but I have fun with it. I take it for you know what it is, and I like riding my dirt bike. But I understand where you're coming from too. Like that sucks <laughs> so yeah and, and when i got home and like realized like where i'd finished overall in comparison to where string was and stuff and um i looked at the times in the last test like i still wasn't that far off and like i know how much time i lost when i crashed and everything so i was like i, I knew i'd thrown it away like yeah. i was it was just one of those things like it, it was just uh I, it was kind of a mental error because I, I don't ever run with bark busters and I get so close to trees. Like if you look at my bikes at the end of the race, like um, the grips will be broke off, like right at the edge from where I clip them and go by. And like it just, my bars kind of just twitch in my hands and doesn't ever happen. But when you have bark busters on, you hit a tree like that, it just deflects you to the other side of the trail. And that's what people don't understand. Like I have people coming up to me all the time saying, why don't you, why are you only running handguards or motocross handguards? And I'm like, I mean, that's that's all I need is just so stuff doesn't hit my front brake lever or grab my clutch lever. Like, I can't remember the last time, like, I center punched a tree with my hand or something silly like that. But those bark busters, just that extra little bit they hang out when you clip something like that. I'm so used to getting so close to the trees. Like, you know, when you clip it like that going fast, like, you don't know where you're going to end up. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's there's zero dampening there. It is literally, like... Energy goes one way, hits the tree, so it goes 180 the other direction, and you don't know what's going to happen at that point. It's totally sporadic, especially when it comes with aluminum. That shit just like, ping, goes yeah. crazy. Well, cool, dude. Well, um, on a, on a happy end note, or an end on a happy note, however you grammatically would choose to say it, uh, what are you excited about, you know, besides the ISDE? Anything else that's just like totally, you know, that's, that you're totally stoked on? Um, and you could say doing nothing. That's that's a viable thing to be excited about. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not. <laughs> my schedule's pretty pretty wide open still. I mean, well, I've got the hoops race I'm doing this weekend. Oh you know, yes, yes. Pretty excited about that. That should be good. Um, Milner and Strang and Charlie are doing it, so um, it'll be a good little warm up before six days too. And you know. I, I want to I want to do good, but I'm not going to be too disappointed if uh, I know Milner is going to be really good. I mean, he rides that same kind of format and stuff, and he's fast. He's fast dude, anyway. So I'm just going to kind of try to try to use it as like a warm up and like, um, you know, just pre- kind of prepare for six days in the in the sense of like um, getting the bike like dialed into how because you got to ride the bike differently and 
and the special tests and stuff, like, I'm really good at, like, setting my bike up and knowing where it needs to be. So I need to focus more along the lines on that and then try to go fast from there. Right. So, but um, that's going to be cool. And then, you know, we got the Ironman. Then I leave straight out for six days and get home from there until middle of November. And then we'll probably have the banquet. And then after that, we go straight into photo shoots and testing for next year. And then right after that, it's Christmas. And then, right, you know, right after that, you're back at the start of the year and got to get to it again. So I don't have too much time off. So what you're saying is you need a break and you need to come to Texas and hang out with my little munchkins. Man, I don't know about that. Now they're, they're awesome. They're totally worth it, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stay away from kids for the next couple of years. Yeah, no, I was just, uh, we were just, you know, with Andrew just on and him getting engaged and stuff, I was kind of like, there, is there any plans for any Andrews anytime soon? He was like, no, not that we know. I was like, good. I mean, not good. It's like I would support anything, it, it, you know, yeah. but just know that that obviously adds a whole other dynamic. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, feel the, I feel the pressure bearing down on me, and I don't want it to happen. So what you're saying is you're a bottom kind of guy. <laughs> hi There's all kinds of pressure. I like it. Obviously, you can tell that this is the first seat time in a while that I've had a few drinks. So starting to, starting to loosen up a little. I hear you. I need to. I th- I think I got some hanging around here somewhere. I need to go crack one open. Ah, uh, well, th- it's not my fault. If anybody calls you, don't tell them Seat Time sent you. Whatever happens. Right. <laughs> well, dude, thank you very much. I know you uh, had a lot going on today. Uh, you've done two radio shows in one night, so we definitely appreciate that. Um, just have fun out there and uh, good luck with everything else that's coming up. And uh, please keep us uh, up to date this weekend on how Hoops Race goes in the full gas sprint enduro. That'll be really cool to see. Uh, how that format kind of grows and takes off. Yeah, it'll, it should be cool. And I, I've, I'm working on, I've got my laptop here, my desktop over here. I'm working on setting up my GoPro right now, like updating and everything. Going to have that thing going. So awesome. uh, I have some sweet GoPro footage from the race. Dig it, man. Well, thank you very much again for your time. Have fun and uh, don't let uh, don't let your wife win out too too easy. you got to fight for it a little. Yeah, you know sounds good, guys. <laughs> Later sweet so now we're going to check in with mr sean reddish and see how things are going with him at works um so those of you guys who don't know stillwell performance fantastic fantastic uh off-road suspension guru uh they're in arizona you can check them out at stillwellperformance.com um they well they do awesome suspension work guys like cody webb max gersten uh Luis forsley um you can go to the uh, to cover all the dampening duties for off-road racers like Cody Webb, Corey Grafunder, uh, Kyle Redman, Luis Forsley. You can head to their website, call them at the shop, ask them how they can make your off-road experience that much better. And definitely if you tell them that Seat Time sent you, there's a good chance you're going to be able to get yourself a little bit of a discount. Um, when you're at their website, you'll also notice that there's some products there that you could choose from. Of those products, I definitely want to say you should check out the Solo Performance Adjustable Link Guard. Um, they do make them for other brands now, but the KTM, I think, um, is the one where it makes the biggest difference because now that they have gone to linkage on the XC and SX, if you ride those off-road, they will catch um, on some well, they can catch on some obstacles. So this linkage guard not only protects you from that, but this they have the adjustable point where you can change out the pucks or chips, as they like to call them. Um, and with that, it actually can adjust your head angle just ever so slightly. Um, and if you have ridden the PDS version and gone to the linkage, you'll notice, oh, why does this kind of feel like a, cap- a chopper or a couch? 
it changes it a little bit. You can get those chips or those pucks. You can flip those around and change your head angle just a little so you don't have to uh, bring the forks up too much in the triple clamps. So check out the adjustable link guard there at silhouetteperformance.com. Um, and like I say, go to their website, ask them questions, and say, hey, Brian from Seat Time said you guys can help. How can you do that? Because they're going to be able to tell you how they can make your suspension that much better. Um, I just know that they do great work, and I ride it on my bikes, and I think that you should too, so go check them out. So, Mr. Sean Reddish, I would like to say that you are the most prepared person for this show tonight. You look fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here. It's been uh, it's always interesting to do anything on the web. You can tell that there's always technical difficulties uh, here and there. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's perseverance. It's uh, embracing the suck every once in a while. That's what makes it all good. Absolutely, man. We just like to have fun with it. Um, embracing the suck. I haven't heard that in a while, actually. So that's a good. That may be the uh, the, the the show title right there. Embracing. I'm going to write it down as we go into that. So, for those of you who don't know, um, there is Works Racing is on the West Coast. Mr. Sean Reddish is the promoter and organizer owner of Works Racing. Um, earlier this year, there were a couple press releases that came out how Works Racing. Um, and I'll let him describe that partnership and exactly what that is, but it was with uh, MAXC Racing, which is an East Coast, kind of the mid-cross-country, uh, mid-America cross-country series. And they're, they're going to, so Works is going to be coming to the East Coast um, with the MAXC's help. Um, and that's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be cool because of the fact that it gives us the Works Racing format on the East Coast, so people on the East Coast have a little bit more variety. They have more choices, other places to to race, and it's going to change up a little bit for the MAXE riders um, and racers, but I think that that's not a bad thing. Change is not a bad thing, so we're here to talk about that and kind of see how that is going to evolve. Um, so the first thing, Mr. Sean, uh, is, is definitely you're from Texas, so how did you wind up in California or, it, what is it, Utah or, you know, not in Texas? How do you leave Texas? <laughs> well, Texas is probably the finest state in the entire nation. Not to offend anybody else from the South, but uh, anyway, for me, Works Racing was really a West Coast program. When Works first began, we went all the way to Florida. That was when dollar, gas was a dollar a gallon, but you know, I, you could fill up your diesel truck for twenty six bucks. You know, so as it really focused on its West Coast core, um, the whole industry is really on the West Coast, so it just made sense uh, in the ori- original form- formulation of the series. We had a different style of series. The West Coast is mainly owned by the government. If you think of all the land in the West Coast, if you look at a map, over 60% of it is all owned by the federal government. So that's what's protecting our debt. So in any case, so instead of driving or staying on the road all the time, my wife and I said, you know what? We need to find a home base. We need to, what kind of, what's going to make it work and um, being in a good location that didn't have graffiti everywhere, good family values. So that's why we picked Southern Utah. Okay. And uh, so how close are you to the Fast Company guys? Because they're in, they're in Washington, Utah. Isn't that correct? Well, they heard I moved here, and they said, hey, we got to go there because it must be a good place. Oh, yeah. That guy, that's Sean Reddish guy. I'm buying a house next to his for sure. <laughs> Actually, and Mike Farmer, the Maxis guy, you know, uh, the man who set up all the Maxis tire programs for all the support stuff, lives out here and actually that's how we found it we came out here in traveling you know they're about 15 minutes off the highway and we said hey you know we're gonna chick come stay we stay there for i don't know maybe a week at one time and uh we just bummed his electrical outlet for the rv and 
anyway, we liked the place, and uh, you know, it it was unique. I'm from Dallas, Texas, right? And uh, Dallas is extremely diverse, you know. So uh, this place is not like that. Uh, we don't. They if, if somebody sprays graffiti, somebody gets shot. So you know, there's <laughs> there's none of that going on here. Right. Yeah. No, I I can understand that. So that's cool. That's fun. How long for you? has works been going on so we can kind of put a light on how long works has been in the formats that it has been a little bit of changes that have happened throughout the years and then kind of how we're going to be moving forward um, with you guys going west and east coast well works started in 2001 and okay. it was the gp format uh by gp format would mean it hubs around a motocross track generally on the west coast it's a national caliber track like in Glen helen washougal that type of thing and then we use the outskirts, the outer portions of the property for the off-road section. We're looking for, on average, a 10-minute lap time, but some of them, some of the shorter courses get down to about seven minutes. The races for an amateur rider ride at an hour, so they're extremely intense. There is no, hey, I'm going to set my pace and then get on with it and ladder laps. You have from, it is a motocross-style off-road race. Ultimately, right. you have to be ready to go when the hammer drops. So that's the way the format's always been. That's And it really hasn't changed, per se. We In 2005, I started the ATV program. Um, basically just said, hey, you know, let's do an ATV version. We, need, we needed some space. We, were ha we had too much congestion at our events. So in 2005, we started that. And that has organically grown on its own. And... Um, you know, it was its own beast uh, each weekend. And then in about 2009, 2010, we started doing side-by-side -side racing. Literally, side-by-side -side racing just was to get those guys to where they weren't running through the pits. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't allow people in the off-road sections like what you see back east as much um, because of the land requirements that are here with the federal government. But we... We just didn't need them running around the pits. I said, I'm going to build you guys a race so you can use your equipment. Well, that just started something. It really did. <laughs> it escalated. And now, you know, we, it's kind of this weird anomaly that it surprises me to this day how large that side by side program is, that it's by far the biggest in the entire country. Um, but that's kind of morphed our program. So now we have a full motorcycle program a full side-by-side -side program, and a full ATV program, all in one weekend, um, all running the GP format. So what's cool is that, you know, there was a, initially there was some rub, you know, oh, we're motorcycle guys, we don't want to race with the quad guys, you know, meaning on the same track. Right. Well, Back East has done it for years. Back East kind of gets the worst of it because they always ride the motorcycles after the quads. You know, for us, we ride the motorcycles in front of the quads. So... In any case, we uh, combined the program a couple of years ago into a super event format. We tested it for two years at a couple of events, and we just wanted to bring the whole show to one weekend. It was way better for sponsors. Right. It was, you know, if you're a motorcycle guy, you may not want to ride a quad, but seeing guys do the, you know, professional level guys doing things on quads is still impressive, no matter what. I mean, yes, you have to respect. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I always term quads as, you know, they're, they're four tires. So they're four times as likely to break, they're four times as expensive, and they're four times as likely to chase you down and beat you to death after you crash. So, you know, they're, 
they are way tougher to ride than a motorcycle in the physicality of it, you know. So the motorcycle guys now are like, man, let's go watch the, the quad guys do something because they do everything different. When we go to, we have enduro cross sections at almost every race, so they go see what they gonna, they're going to do through the specialized sections. And, you know, and then now the side-by-sides are on Saturday, so, you know, when you see around 85 to 90 side-by-sides, do a 140-foot step-up jump, you know, I think that's the most exciting thing to bring to the East Coast because East Coast side-by-side racing is, you know, really 50-inch side-by-side racing. I mean, it, I know they're not the 50-inch cars, but they would be better if they were because it's really tight. Right. Well, we're going to have more side-by-side oriented tracks so we can bring the West Coast style of jumping which is the exciting aspect for the customers and for everybody to see, you know. Um, so that's really what it's all in. It's a super event format. We're bringing that to the East Coast. We're going to slowly uh, inject the whole works format to the East Coast in the works MAXC program. Those guys over there have a phenomenal program with Mike Gibbs. They run it professionally, and that's what I was looking for was a professional partner on the East Coast. It can help us grow over there. Mm-hmm. You know, we our our style is our packaging style is just different. That's ultimately that's what it is. It's it's completely different than anything else that's on the East Coast, and um, I, you know, it's very telegenic, so to speak, because you see your rider a lot versus every twenty seven minutes or thirty minutes. You know, in our program, every ten minutes you're going to see them. The tracks are a lot smaller, so you can jump from place to place. And see what's going on. So you know, do you? That's what's going on. Yeah, one of the it's, it's going to be interesting because I remember for a while there there was a lot of talk about works kind of being the the, the motocross for off roaders or off roaders doing motocross. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. That's what you know. Some of the people were saying, you know, here and on the East Coast. Um, I've never raced a work, so personally, I have no experience to speak to that, um, and I've never been to one in person either. But I'm wondering if a lot of that is because it was the same way that a lot of people thought the same thing about J-Day. Now, I know that Works has been around a lot longer than the J-Day Off-Road program, but when they were putting out a lot of their video footage, they were just videoing in the areas that were easy to get to, which was the motocross track or you know, kind of the more open grass track areas, not the bitchin' shit that happened off, off-road, like in the trails and things. Um, and I'm wondering, so one, if that might have been part of what a lot of people were seeing with works is they were just seeing a lot of the stuff that was easier to see around the track. And two, I think people think off-road and they think woods and rocks and mud and roots and things like that. And since you guys maybe don't have a ton of that on the on the West Coast, once you guys come East Coast and they see what you guys lay out there and get a little bit more promoting for the work series with the MAXC guys on the East Coast, that it's going to look more like an off-road program to what people are kind of used to seeing or what they have maybe in their head when they say off-road racing. Is, is any kind of that come around in, like, in chatters of your circles when you guys talk about all this stuff? Well, for the longest time, I really bucked that whole motocross off-road type. You know, I was like, this is not what it is because... I came from Texas where you needed, you know, I was listening to Caleb just a few minutes ago. And he's like, you know, it's really specialized. You know, whenever, whenever I was racing in Texas, I, I had that system just down pat. You know, I, I knew exactly what I was going to do. 
And I went to the West to look for more competition, ultimately. That's what drew me to the West. But then I got out there, and I was racing with Caselli and Mike Kordowski and Ty Davis, who are these you know, pro- profoundly talented riders in, in multiple disciplines. Yeah. And it was just faster. I mean, ultimately, that's what it was. Everything came at you so much faster than an off-road. You know, when in Texas and in the GNCCs that I did, you know, it was second, third gear, you know, very technical, thought, you know, methodical that way. But the terrain reading ability that I had to have to race out west was way more accelerated, you know. So those, they, each one is specialized. You know, Caleb has raced in work series before. We've taken him, I remember Caleb came up and raced the woods. We have a, a number of races that are strictly woods, you know, and those are my funnest tracks to go into because they just feel like home. Right. You know, they, they feel like, they feel like what I, and I still say it too, that that's, that's off road. Hard, gnarly, technical is off road. The ultimate thing is, is on the West Coast, that is very hard to find. Right. You know, it is very difficult. And if you find it, it's generally at the edge of a jagged rock, you know, so, and ultimately that's not really fun to ride in as a whole. You know, you don't want to run five miles of jagged rock, you know. So for us, uh, we use whatever the facility brings to us. You know, it, like we go to Glen Helen. You know, if you've ever been to Glen Helen, in your mind, you have this vision of what it's going to be. And then when you get there, you realize it's completely different than that. <laughs> but it has highly technical sections that you can use. And when you see the photo, you're like, man, I didn't realize there was a forest at Glen Helen. Well, the forest is only about 50 yards long, but you get what you can out of it, you oh, know? Yeah. And it's weird how that 50-yard section will be where the bottleneck is at. I mean, everybody will be dead right there in it. So, you know, um, when we come back to the East Coast, we're going to use what's there, and it's going to be a off-road styled event the way you think of off-road and the way the East Coast thinks of off-road. We will have motocross tracks in them. Uh, but, you know, back to the whole thing about works being kind of motoy, you can't get around it. When you start on a concrete pad and the gate folds backwards, you're going to get that. But at the same token, you know what? Those guys, uh, we always coined that phrase in the early years, the fastest racer on the planet, because it's like getting shot out of a cannon. And you got to get going. You can't. There's no pace in it. It's yeah. just full throttle. Yeah. And, and you guys, you guys are live engine starts. Is that correct? Yes, we are. Uh, that's that's actually interesting. Now, I, I asked that and go. I have to verify it. So, why did you choose that over a dead engine start? And, and that's just. You know, I know because TCCRA in Texas, which you grew up racing, um, they they are live engine starts, which I just kind of had to get used to. Um, even though I've kind of been doing some of the Toro racing since like 2007, which are dead engine starts. So, uh, it, when you made that decision, what, why did you make it a live engine versus dead engine, uh, decision? Well, you know, some things you, in life, you get because they were given to you. Right. And, uh, when I went to works, it was this. Hand on the head, red throttle. That's what you did. You know, not the pros. The pros always went off the gate. But, what we did is to, if we have a starting gate that works, we'll use a starting gate with live engine. And we're talking about pro classes now. We're not talking about everybody else, but pro classes. Uh, but when there's no gate, it's dead engine. Okay. So about half the time, we start dead engine. Interesting. And that's why, 
you know, everybody loves a KTM on that day. Right, yeah. I, I want my button. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, okay, so say we've got works as the series that we know on the West Coast. You guys are going to move east now for 2015 with works and the MAXC guys. Now, how is that series? Well, from what I understand, that's two completely different series. There is no "quote unquote" overall champion that would be, you know, a national country or a country champion. But so, how's that going to evolve? So, tell us a little bit about how the East Coast is going to be set up for next year, and then I know that you guys have some plans to kind of evolve that. Well, the East Coast will be its own program. It'll start in March. Um, and Mike Gibbs and his crew are trying to nail down all the final details on that. Your, you know, East Coast always starts a little bit later than the West. We have, you know, we, we should be racing through the winter and yeah. you guys should be racing through the summer, you know, but your mind, you know, it's hard to do that. And you see the programs in, in Texas that race winter and summer. So ultimately, uh, they're going to get started in March, and they're going to work through their series. So about ten races should will go all the way to Florida, up through Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and whatnot. The uh, so we'll have those venues, and then we will have a East West shootout in should be 2016. There's been a lot of push to do it in 15 for an ultimate East West shootout. Whoever you know, whoever wins wins and ends up with the National Works number one plate. Um, you know, we had one of those before. We did it in Oklahoma, and uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, the, the art that you have when you have an East-West shootout is always good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that that was back in, uh, you know, I think we were at $1.25 at that time on gas. So, uh, you know, now at almost $5 a gallon, $4.50 to $5 a gallon on the West Coast, it makes it a little bit different entity. So what we plan on doing is we plan on, funding a number of semi-rigs that will, all the vehicles will come to a certain point. Because when we do an east-west shootout, we're talking about ATVs, side-by-sides, and motorcycles. Woo. So <laughs> we've got to have a, a big contingent to be able to put that together. Because when you talk about, like our pro side-by-side class has an average of 30 cars. So we want, we don't want all 30 to go there from the west, and we don't want all 30 to go from the east. But we want a really solid show. For those types of races, so we will have the number of semis that meet up in a certain places, so you can bring your your car and then just fly in. So we need to make it fairly simple for the racer to make it work. Absolutely, you know, I immediately start thinking about um, Big Sky Cross Country Race last year. Now that race had been going on for a good five or six years, and unfortunately did not continue this year um, due to kind of personal reasons. They just needed a break and spend time with their family. But this past year, the, the, in 2013, they had the AMA National Championship. It was the off-road national championship where guys from the West Coast, East Coast, Central Coast could go and say, I am competing to be the number one off-road racer in the country. Now, I know right currently that works and MAXC is not AMA sanctioned. Could there wind up being a way to make this shootout be AMA sanctioned and then it become more of this off-road national championship, which we had in 2013 and people really, really wanted to see it again this year. But be it nobody stepped up to the plate or AMA didn't want to get involved with anybody, I don't know. Could that ever, I guess, come come to fruition? You said the three dreaded word, three dreaded letters. 
But uh, hey, I, I'm not. I have no affiliation with any political agenda. I'm just asking the questions. I promise. Okay. Where's my gun? Where's my gun? <laughs> it's in here in Texas, where it's legal. Yeah. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, to get everybody together, you're ultimately going to have to have an, a, uni- a a sanctioning that is open to everyone. Right. That you don't have to have a membership for, that you can just come if you want to. Okay. You know, ultimately that's what it's going to have to be. I mean, um, Works did uh, a year of AMA, and, um, you know, anyway, it was, I'm, I'm glad we're in a different position now. You did so, it, you did it for a year and now you don't do it. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. Went over the, and it ultimately, if the AMA as it currently is, would have been, that was the AMA that I tried to get on the West. Um, and I had longstanding agreement with them. Prior to us becoming an AMA program uh, in that in that year, and ultimately, you know, we had ten items on the list, and I don't think we hit one of them. So uh, now, what took it to force their hand was the GNCC backing out of the AMA, and now you can all of a sudden get a day membership, which was the most important thing on the West Coast because it's a barrier to entry. Right. When you look at anything else, you know. Racing, right now, a works race entry fee is $50. If you pre-entry, it's like 40, 40 bucks. But that's the same entry fee it's been since 2001 when it started. GNCC is working off the same entry fees that it has been since forever. Right. You know, 30, I mean, you know, so we're all working off the same amount of entry fee revenue, but all costs have ex- exponentially went up. The fuel to run the dozers, the fuel to run the water trucks, land rental, everything. Nobody can look at anything they personally own today and say, "Hey, it, you know, this should be cheaper." I mean, it just it just hasn't happened, right? You know. So when you add another barrier to entry in loot in what happened to us at the time, it was before they went to fifty dollar membership fees, but it was a forty dollar barrier. Boom, right there. So the first time you walked into a works race, all of a sudden you had to pay ninety dollars to race. So it really did a lot of damage to us because that wasn't the agreement that we had. Well, we, I stuck to my agreement. We, I went to a year and then I left. Um, it's been, we've had a decent working relationship since then as far as, you know, trying to work schedules together. But it was really the movement that the GNCC family had with them, with the Coombses that really said, okay, we can't really afford that because they didn't have anything to lose on the West Coast by doing what they did. They had a lot to gain, right? which they never realized, but they had, didn't have anything to lose. Well, on the East Coast, if GNCC or the, let's say, Racer Productions said, you know what? We're not doing any more AMA. We're done with you. All that revenue, we're done with. You look at Loretta Lynn's, the Loretta Lynn system and GNCC alone, account for over 50, mainly the red lens, but 50% of all AMA, motorcycle, dirt bike, um, revenue streams. Yep. So, you know, as a business, now all of a sudden they got to look at it like, hey, we're not a nonprofit. We're, this is going to gut us if we did this. So they went to a different system. And that's the system that we had agreed to five years ago or four years ago and never happened. So 
I'm glad to see that that's what they did. And, you know, they, AMA as a general rule is a great advocacy program for all of off-road racing. I mean, they do a lot of great things for us. I probably have the same complaint as pretty much any promoter in the country does is, you know, you can't be the sanctioning body and the revenue generator and the advocate. It just, it, it all kind of gets tangled, you know, that we all look at. Yeah. So, you know, there's political issues. There's a lot of things, but, uh, you know, the guys at off-road AMA have been really good as far as since then working with us and making sure that, Hey, our schedules line up as best they can and keep everybody racing. Cause ultimately we need options for people to spend money to, to buy motorcycles, to break parts so they can go to Rocky Mountain ATV or whoever and get the things that they need to do racing. Because if they don't, the sponsors like on your back wall, like Fly aren't going to sell gear because people aren't going to go ride and tear it up. Yep. You know, so everybody likes something different. You know, I don't know what beer you're drinking, but I don't drink any of that. So, you know, somebody, <laughs> has, so, you know, so somebody has to buy it. Everybody has a different flavor for everything. So, you know, that's why when we come east, I think that's what we'll bring is just a different flavor to the east coast. Very cool. Um... So right now, you guys have two very different websites. Are we going to see any kind of cohesive website that somebody can go to one place and and then kind of work into a portal system um, where they're going to be more centralized uh, and be able to get information on their specific series and then, again, to their specific discipline? How is that going to work? Like, where does somebody say, oh, man, I really want to know about this. I want to register. I want to find the schedule. Where is all that happening right now? Well, due to... What we have is a sponsor limitation right now that takes us all the way through November. And then in November, we can do those integrations because we're kind of freed up. We've all renegotiated our agreements. You know, uh, I went long-term with Rocky Mountain again. You know, Mike is working on his side of the program, and we're working together with a lot of our sponsors to make them cohesive Mm -hmm. to where we can time together. But the big thing was is we couldn't have conflicting logos on the same page. So... That's where we needed some time to work through our contractual periods, and then we can do what we need to do. Okay. Um, so uh, his main hub is still MAXC Racing, you know, so that way everything can go there. If you go to the Works Racing website, you can type in the, you know, worksracing.com backslash the, the MAXC. Okay. And uh, anyway, it'll take you to their page. But right now we're letting them be themselves because – one of the things in, in off-road racing is, you know, I heard you say earlier, change is good. You know, change is this. But change is scary to a lot of people. So if I went in or we went in and Mike said, you know what? We're flushing the whole MAXC program. That, you know, we're not going to do what we did, which made us popular to their standpoint that they're at now. So that's what we didn't want to do. We don't want to scare anybody away. We want to let them know, hey, this is still the MAXC program. We're just going to tweak it a few different ways to bring in more like side-by-side racing to help boost his program where we can. We have the media power from the West uh, with the magazines, the major trade magazines, to be able to help push him. We, you know, we just have 14 years under our belt. Right. And we want to go East. And when I started looking at the landscape of the East, you know what? There, I just couldn't come to another conclusion other than to work with Mike. Um, 
What um are there going to be any big changes in the MAXC program uh that you know of uh like big venue changes things like that that maybe there's a there's there's historical races when it comes to it um that that may change or anything like that uh that you foresee as of right now. Well, he has a big charity event that he does each year. Okay. Uh, that I, that's always going to be there. That's near and dear to his heart. Uh but you got to realize we're going from basically one, two states to, to seven or eight. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. I mean, it, the footprint is going to vastly expand. So we're going to work with the local clubs. That's one of the big things, too, is that when we go to – when Works goes to, a, let's say, Northern California, the first thing we do is call the local racing clubs and say, hey, we're having an event. We want you to participate. We try to make a revenue stream that works for them. We try to do those things to bring them in. So – that's what we're going to do when we go over to the east, work with the local clubs. The Florida Trail Riders has always been good to the works program. You know, we we like working with them because it brings the diversity, you know, and it pays points for their program. It's kind of a, a way for a rider to double dip. Yeah. You know, and have a real national program come to them versus a, a tagline, you know, and that's kind of what has happened on the West Coast uh, as far as, like, some of the AMA stuff right now. And... We want you to feel like you're at an event. That's the main thing. We want you, you know, when you walk in the door, you're like, man, this is pretty cool. That's yeah. what we want. I, th- I think it'll be neat. Um, how close do you think you may get to Texas? I know that uh, by no means pointing fingers or anything like that, but it, it's kind of GNCC at one point did come to Texas. And from what I understand, the kind of the, the invisible line is the Mississippi River now. They won't come more west than that. Do you think that there's a chance that you guys might come? You know, more west than that or closer so that we might, you know, be able to traverse with a bunch of people up there to, to one of the works east races? Well, funny thing, you know, I do know a few people from Texas. So, just, uh, it's just a skosh. Just a skosh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's 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 definitely in the cards. That's honestly where I would like to see the east-west shootout happen um, because I can – Yep. I, and I mean, since you're there, you're going to bring like 10,000 people just Easy. because you're there. Yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'll bring one or two. You'll bring 10,000. We'll all be happy. But Everybody's getting paid. There's great dirt in Texas. That's one of the, you know, all the central states have great dirt compared to the East Coast, you know. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, compared to the West Coast. Right. So we, uh, um, but we know where we can go there. We have venues that we can participate in. We have other programs. I have the, the, the uh, Texas Off-Road Championship Series that I started with Gil Ramos a number of years ago down south. So he's there. They already run our format. You know, there's a program up north that runs our format pretty much. So there's lots of options, but I do see us in Texas, I would say probably 16. That would be really cool, and I think one of the big things that – that we, and I don't mean just Texas, I mean we as in like the Texas, the Oklahoma, and kind of just a little bit more north and around us, we don't really see a lot of the national caliber events. Um, we've seen some national enduros come through Texas recently, which has been awesome. I've attended all of them, had a great time at all of them. I'm very thankful and hope that stays up. But, you know, I wasn't I wasn't back into the racing when the GNCCs did come through, and that would have been so cool to see that kind of that large-scale national caliber event come in just like you're saying like i go to this event and i'm like wow this is legit like 
that would be very cool to see. Um, but unfortunately, we are in the middle of the country. We're not close to anybody except ourselves, even Texans, because we're just that stupidly huge. Uh, but I'm just saying it would be cool, so if you could make it work, you know, I will definitely bring as many of the tens of thousands of people that I could try to. Well, I I think it could work. You know, the timing has to be right. It can't be too late in the season. Mm-hmm. It still has to be. It still has to have gravity for everybody. You know, as far as national championship hopes. Uh, you know, what I would see kind of happening probably is that that race would happen like in October. That way, we could still have a race on each side after that. Um, good weather. Guys, We'd have good weather in Texas. Yes. Um, there's a little place up there called the Red River, you know, that has some great terrain around it. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of splits the middle. And, um, you know, there's great off-road there. And one of the good things is I think you have to be a diversified rider to really say you're a champion. You know, um, Kurt Caselli really honed his craft with works. And, you know, he was a phenomenally great rider. But I remember when he was talking about, hey, I need, you know, I'm looking, I need to try something different. And I remember having these conversations, like, you need to try something different because you're, you don't want to be the, the one trick pony of you're the works guy. You want to be the guy that, you know, has won everything. You know, when he went to GNCC originally, I was like, this ought to be cool. You know, <laughs> he didn't have a lot of success there, but he sure tried hard and he went up against some real personal stuff at the same time losing his father. Yep. So, you know, but like the jersey on the back of your wall that Russell with Caleb, you know, he's come out and he's done the dance with us. You know, he hasn't had the success with us, but he was a lot younger too. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, so those guys have to bounce around. You have to try lots of different disciplines to really find out if you're one of the greatest riders there is. And, um, if you just won one championship or you just win one series, you definitely can't say that. So, uh, you know, that's what I like to see is when these guys move around a little bit. You hate to see them go, but, you know, ultimately they're like, I've, I've seen these kids all grow up in my, in these programs. I mean, Kirk Caselli was 15 years old when I first raced against him and he was sick fast then. <laughs> but, you know, I got, I got to see him grow up. Yeah. You know, and turn into this awesome dude. So, and it's that way with all these guys because I've been, watching as a promoter for 14 years now with works and uh you know we're making history on a weekend by weekend basis and you know as a promoter all you, you hope for is that these kids that you are able to be with and be around really turn into great individuals and you know giving them a positive role model everywhere you can is really important and uh, making sure they know that their integrity at the end of the day has to be the most important thing to them. Absolutely. Well, those are you, you definitely said it right, and I was thinking about it as well because that's one of the good things that you know a lot of people that I know here in Texas that I've become racing family. Um, it's so neat to watch their kids grow up within this sport um, and within the same racing family that I've come to know so well, and uh, everybody... You know, we do we, we take care of our own kind of a thing. We don't want anybody to get too too far out of the circle. So, come November, things will be able to change. We'll be able to make some updates on all the websites and all the media areas for people to learn a little bit more information about what could be coming, um, at least how they can start to get involved with the series on the East Coast um, as things come to fruition. But we're looking at kind of March is when you guys are probably going to get started uh, racing. Yeah, it's March, 
March 15th. Okay, March 15th. And which property is that on? That's a TBA. That's a little... That's, oh. That's a little on the DL. Oh, I hear you. That's okay. Yeah. Not the first time. I, I mean, on the business side, you have to... Oh, heck. As, as far as the actual final dates, we've released the schedule for the, the dates. Totally marked them tentative because, you know, things happen. Other programs end up on top of your dates all of a sudden. You know, you just... Ultimately, it's kind of in flux until you finally put that, you know, final stamp on it and say, well, this is what we're doing no matter what. Yeah. And uh, as late as you can wait and still get people off, scheduled their vacations, then, you know, ultimately that will be the, the set. But we intend to start on March 15th. Perfect. March 15th. So, and uh, what was the, is the web address for um, the East Coast going to be the same? Is it going to be for the Mid, the Mid-America Cross Country website? Yeah. Yes, it is still DMAXC. Uh, that won't really change uh, for the first year. Okay. Just, just to trying to, we're trying to ease into it. Yeah, absolutely. Just go, oh crap, it's completely different. I'm gonna do something different. Yep. So we want to show them that hey, everything we do is a positive move, not felt as a negative move. Right. Not felt like hey, check out this whole new world. Jump in really quick and figure it out. Like uh, yeah. yeah. Every- Everything you liked for the last three, four years is gone. That's not happening. Yeah. So that was the main thing. It's just, just we're going to work together to just make the transition smooth. We want people to be excited about the, the changes that happen, you know. And uh, the, big, the biggest deal is that with the new format, you'll get more racing. You'll still get your old racing, but now you're going to get some more Right. at the same token. So we're going to race more Sundays, split up the program that way. To, to where you have more opportunity. When you drive, for a works race, the average drive distance is about seven hours is on the average. So when you drive that far, you won't want to get in there and get out. You want to get your money's worth for the yeah. drive. So that's what we want the East Coast guys to feel like. When they left, they're like, man, I'm done racing. Yeah. That's what I want to get in the car and drive home. <laughs> yeah, I want to fix my crap. I want to, you know, call all my parts vendors, you know, but... Well, cool. That's the thing. You know, we want you to feel like you got your money work. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Tell us, obviously, educate myself a little bit more on what goes on at Works. Um, being being kind of stuck in Texas, having never really been to the West Coast very much, I just don't really uh, don't don't really know the program all that well. So I appreciate you kind of enlightening myself there and as well what's going to be happening on the East Coast. I look forward to that. Um, obviously, I do like to talk off road, talk to all the racers, talk to all the stuff that's going on. Um, with all off-road, but specifically, it does feel like it's more East Coast-centric. Uh, so it'll be fun we to kind of see that. Oh, no, no. I, it's it's not that, you know, like Jacob Argybright. I love Jacob Argybright. I have him on the show as much as I can. Um, and I had Kirk Caselli on. He was on the show a lot. Um, it was It's one of those things where and Robbie Bell's been on, Taylor Roberts. Like, so it just, for whatever reason, it does kind of, it does feel more East Coast-centric. It, for no other reason than that's just how it, pans out so but yes i'm okay with fixing that if it needs yeah. if it's broken well you know it was it's funny I, I fly the helicopter for robbie bell in mexico whenever he goes and down and does his okay. dances down there and the first time i got in there i was actually the i went there as a paramedic for him at the first time and i was the spotter and anyway i've got this big long lens camera and i'm sticking out the side of this jet ranger taking photos and working and and I've watched all these guys race, raced right with them, 
and that was one of the few take you back moments going down a power line. We're doing about a hundred and seven, eight knots in an aircraft in the helicopter, but we're trying to catch Robbie because when he come out of the corner, he could out accelerate us. But to see what the talent that some of those guys just possess, it's like, you know, when Uha Salmanen came out and raced our program for a number of years, he, he raced two years at it. And to see him go up to a tree, run into the tree, wheelie up the tree, roll backwards, wheelie, turn around, and leave was just impressive feats yeah. of skill. And that's the way it was for me looking out at Robbie that time going, that's just crazy. 105 miles an hour on the motorcycle, GPS clock, skipping the top of loops. That takes a set of gonads. So, yeah, you know, and it's... All these guys, you know, Caleb, you know, all the guys from the East have just phenomenal skills. You know, their eye-hand coordination is so good. You know, it's just fun to watch the best do what they do best. And uh, ultimately, that's what we want is people to have fun doing what they're doing and spectators to have a good show. Hell yeah. So, well, we're thank looking you. forward to it. Thank you for having us, you know. And, uh, you know, thanks to all your listeners and for giving us a piece of their, their night. Absolutely, man. Well, definitely. So everybody go check out Works. Um, it's going to be some big stuff, especially on the East Coast. It's going to be fun to watch this develop. I look forward to the new format of racing and how people decide to choose, again, what to do with their time um, and where they decide to go race and then how we can kind of you know chat about that and, again, have a few beers. So, Sean, thank you very much for your time. Um, and uh, definitely we will be chatting soon. Again, I, I really look forward to seeing how the beginning of, of everything goes next year um, and then kind of getting a synopsis from you guys there on the East Coast. Well, I'll be I'll be back home for Christmas. So Uh-oh. You might, might have to move over a little bit in that couch. There's typically I, – I, this couch is made for two. It's just, you know, I just <laughs> – I try to make it look like it's you know it's okay with just one person, but it, you it, look it, lonely there. That's the problem. You look I, a little lonely. I'm very lonely. Steven's Monster a pretty girls, Steven's a pretty guy and all that, but his beard's very intimidating, and he's also the producer. He can't sit on the couch with me at the same time. So, yes, uh, you, you come back for Christmas know, and we'll drink beers and talk motorcycles. <laughs> well, I happen to know some few, a few people at Twin Peaks, so uh, maybe we can get some assistance from those guys. Yeah, I'm I'm in. <laughs> Done. Right, good luck. We appreciate you having us. Thank you. Take it easy, man. Have a good night. All right. Good night. All right. All right. So we've talked with a hell of a lot of people tonight. Awesome, awesome show. I think we're almost at two hours. A lot of talking, but that's okay. We had some technical difficulties, but hey, what was it? Work through the suck? Some, working through the suck? Suck. Why don't I write this stuff down fast enough? I tried, and I couldn't talk and write at the same time. Hello? I've been is, How do you... I barely drink anymore. Are you kidding me? 22 ounces of this shit? And I'm like, woohoo. Um, so seat time. Seattime.co is where you can find us. That is our website. Um, then Facebook, facebook.com slash seat time. We are on Twitter, twitter.com slash seat time underscore CO and Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, just search for seat time. Uh, you could do it one word or two words. You could come up a username or handle, however they think about it. Um, of course, big, huge thanks to Fly Racing for their support, Stillwell Performance, and the guys over at Fast Company. Um, if you have not checked out the Flex Bars, you need to check out the Flex Bars. They are not just for old men. They really do help with all the, excuse me, with all the minute vibrations that happen when we're riding off-road, motocross, just on your dirt bike and not on paved roads. And it will allow you to ride longer 
and a hell of a lot more secure and walk away with a shit ton less blisters. So check them out at fastco.com. We will be back next Tuesday. We're going to talk some more good stuff after things happen this weekend. I think it's going to be interesting to talk. Uh, we'll try to get J- uh, Jason Hooper on next week to talk with him about his full gas sprint enduro series to see how that goes. Um, I really want to kind of figure out uh, which format might be better. We're going to get opinions from everybody. Is the J-Day style sprint enduro better? Is the, the full gas sprint enduro better? Is there a weird difference that we could you know make it? That much better than both. I don't know. We're going to find that out once it happens this weekend. We get to hear from everybody. Uh, thank you very much for paying attention. Remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome, and we will see you next Tuesday. Peace.